0: a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest-growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll.
1: Hello, listeners, and welcome to Breaking Banks Europe. Today, we bring you episode 118.118. 118. And in today's episode, we'll be exploring all things customer experience, specifically the impact of COVID. We'll be looking at this from a more traditional banking perspective. I'll be joined by Natasha Kaepernidis, fintech advisor, and Catherine Richards over at Tesco Bank, who looks after customer experience and design. During this episode, we'll be talking about what makes a great customer experience, how customer experience has evolved and what are some of the long lasting impacts on customer experience strategy that COVID has left. And we will discuss some really fantastic initiatives from incumbent banks um, with regards to customer experience in um, the reaction to COVID. So you'll hear from some of the leaders in this space and yeah, we're really excited to bring you this episode. So yeah, I'm joined um, in part one of this episode with Natasha uh, uh FinTech advisor. And yeah, I've I've been fortunate enough to know Natasha for, for quite some years. Um, she's definitely an expert uh, in all things customer experience and, and how this actually plays out in the more uh, traditional incumbent banking um, institutions as well as in the FinTech space. Um, so Natasha, welcome. It's so great to have you on Breaking Thanks, Europe.
2: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me and great to be with you. Super.
1: And I mean, so we're we're two years um, kind of after COVID has started and everything, which is just crazy. So I think, you know, now is, uh, I, I think now is the best point in time to really kind of you know, look back as to what's happened from a customer experience perspective within financial services, how some of, you know, the broader, maybe micro and macro changes that COVID has had on, you know, customers' broader expectations. Um, yeah. So I think now we can kind of reflect on on what we've seen maybe and what we can expect. Sure. and yeah, maybe I think some exciting things we can look forward to in the world of uh, customer experience within financial services. Um, so, Natasha, I want to start off by asking, how do you define uh, customer experience?
2: Sure. Um, so I guess um, many people can give uh, their own type of definition to customer experience. And I think there's a difference between just saying customer experience and a great customer experience. Um, but if we're just strictly defining customer experience, um, I would say that it's the sum of of all your customers' interactions and experiences um, that create this holistic perception of your business and your brand um, and wants them to keep coming back. So it's how you make a customer feel um, that wants them to want to come back um, and continue to to do business with you. That is what I would say um, customer experience is. And there's a difference between that and and a great customer experience.
1: Okay. So in what would a great customer experience, uh, how would you define a great customer experience then?
2: Yeah. And again, um, different people can give different definitions, but um, I would say it it needs to be personalized. Mm -hmm. Um, It needs to be seamless, effortless, uh, consistent across all the various channels and touch points. Um, which should make it uh, feel like it's truly remarkable. Um, And yeah, that's how I would define a great customer experience.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of the times when we think about, you know, great digital customer experiences, we think of companies like Netflix and Spotify and Amazon, and yeah, they all provide us with awesome experiences as customers, but they're not operating in a highly regulated industry such as financial services or insurance. So how do you, how do you kind of frame a good customer experience within a, a highly regulated industry?
2: Sure. Um, so I think instead of using the, those restrictions um, that are imposed in a regulated industry as the excuse for a poor experience, um, perhaps it should be seen as an advantage and an opportunity. Um, what customers actually want um, when dealing with products and services in the regulated space is they need guidance, um, they need support. So um, what can make a company stand out Um, and differentiate themselves is providing that ease of use. Um, So, yeah, that's how I would see it in a regulated industry. So it shouldn't be any different. Um, It's just helping making things easier for customers. Yeah,
1: definitely. And I think it's, it's quite interesting because, yeah, going back to your definition about kind of the sum of all the interactions between the customer and the brand, it kind of got me thinking, like, I feel like we only started to really emphasize customer experience within financial services once digital banking became the norm. But as we all know, it's not just, you know, the digital channels that make up an experience a customer has with a with a brand. So... Why Why do you think that, you know, this kind of digital way in which we engage with banks and fintechs has kind of been the catalyst for thinking about customer experience when, of course, we have the branch experience, the telephone experience?
2: Yeah. Um, So I think that fintechs and and challenger banks, um, they've dramatically changed the expectations uh, of consumers. So as you mentioned, they, you know, digital banking, I mean, digital first banking, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And that came through the fintechs and uh, the Challenger banks in recent years. So then that raises the bar of expectations um, and uh, you know for bank, traditional banks. Um, and more specifically, you know, if you've got a large proportion of your consumers now expecting personalized services and, and, and as I mentioned before, all the guidance and the advice um, that is specific to them from their bank. And as a bank you're not able to offer that. Um, then that puts you in a difficult position to retain the customer. Um, And so that should be a priority um, and providing those superior digital experiences are now an expectation.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's really interesting because... You know, if we think about the first generations of of challenger banks, um, for the most part, they primarily offer like kind of glorified digital current accounts. But if we think about customers wanting guidance and, and personalization, I think we need to think of, you know, their whole financial standing. So not just the current account, but lending products and savings and investments. And, you know, traditional banks can offer all of those products and they do offer all of those products yes. for kind of first generation neo banks and kind of some of the more niche banks we're seeing. They can't offer that that broad set of um, products. So. I guess, are, in, are you seeing banks kind of capitalize on that and try to provide this? So if you think about a holistic customer experience across all the different channels, how are banks looking to do that across all the potential different product sets that a customer mm. has or, or can take out?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, we should be looking at it as a connected customer experience, so end-to-end Um, So from your first interaction all the way until um, you are being serviced at that point, you know, so you've been onboarded and then uh, you are being serviced as an existing customer. All of that experience uh, needs to feel very connected um, through every single touch point um, through which you interact with uh, uh, the bank or the financial institution. Um, So... Yeah, I think banks should capitalize, uh, traditional banks uh, specifically, should capitalize on some of these benefits that they have and strengths um, of all the multiple channels, um, more specifically bringing in that human element. Um, And I think that that's still very much needed uh, to be there. And that's a huge benefit that uh, traditional banks still have.
1: Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And I think that that fits nicely into jumping into, you know, customer experience and what impact COVID has had. Um, so, yeah, when when COVID first um, hit, I noticed, I mean, my hypothesis was that traditional banks were in a much better position to support customers and provide a good customer experience because they have you know, more humans operating in their customer support center than the neobanks, banks, which maybe you know bought for first or um, you know, digital in-app chat first. Um, so from your perspective, my what were some of the immediate effects that COVID had on customer experience? And how did you see traditional banks versus neobanks versus fintechs um dealing with those?
2: Sure. Um so one thing that um we've observed is that during COVID, um the customers have increased uh, their use of digital uh, channels uh, throughout the pandemic. So even though before, yeah, they were being used uh, during the pandemic, it was probably the only way um, to to interact with um, a financial institution. Um, and then an additional element uh, that came out uh, through this is the need for empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, And um, a lot of people found themselves in uh, very challenging uh, circumstances um, and that need for empathy was quite prominent. Now, how do you deliver empathy uh, through a digital experience that's extremely difficult to achieve? Um, There are ways to do it through tone of voice and copy and everything, but still it's not the same as an in-person interaction or um, any kind of human interaction. Uh, Which brings us to um, mentioning, again, those in-person and human interactions being a huge benefit for traditional banks. Um, And more specifically, I would uh, highlight the phone, the phone Mm. channel. Um, I think it still ranks pretty highly um, as... Uh, for customer service purposes, uh, for uh, in general, especially when you have a complex type of issue that you want to resolve, you do want to reach out and phone and speak to somebody um, rather than chatting or using a chatbot. Uh, and artificial means of communication are not really the same. And the trust is not really um equal to speaking to an actual person so i think that that uh, the phone is not going away anytime soon i believe (laughs) Yeah,
1: definitely and i think you know we i even start to notice within financial services and also outside of financial services even using like whatsapp as a you know customer support channel which i think is phenomenal because then you know you allow the customer to kind of do things on their own terms. It's in a convenient channel. Um, they can, you know, do this on the go and everything. Um So I think, yeah, that's, that's really interesting about empathy. And I think, yeah, kind of goes back to why I think yeah, traditional banks were in a much better position because how can a, you know, a a bot have empathy when a customer Mm. needs perhaps, you know, like a a payment holiday or something with COVID. Um, So I guess what, uh, can we talk a bit about payment holidays and how, how, you know, this played out within digital and perhaps non-digital channels and how this impacted, customer experience?
2: Sure. I mean, this was more uh, government mandated and uh, and not just in the UK. Um, I've seen it in other uh, parts of Europe in particular. Um, and if it was government mandated, then it was uh, regulator mandated as well with specific deadlines. Um, and the challenge, I guess, for a traditional uh, bank uh, was more to meet uh, those expectations of that deadline, which were pretty... Um, aggressive, I would say.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: under different circumstances, um, you know, one would have thought that, uh, you know, you would need a lot longer <laughs> to deliver um, something to those expectations. But what was proven is that um, it, it, when there's a crisis, people come together and mm-hmm. collaborate and uh, and make things happen um, in ways that they didn't even think that they could make those things happen themselves. So. It was, uh, you know, quite um, uh, quite impressive um, seeing that how people came together and teams came together, collaborated in a phenomenal manner um, to just deliver um, and help customers basically. So it's all about helping the customer, um, and that again brings the empathy back um, into this. Um, and then, uh, so it was the first aspect was putting out their their journeys online um, so that you could apply for uh, various types of payment holidays for all these uh, retail, mainly lending products, Mm -hmm. but then um, customers needed to roll off those payment holidays. So there was additional complexity um, Mm -hmm. there and and helping customers make the right decision um, for themselves. Uh, So again, that brings us back to the ease of use and and that customer experience that we spoke about um, earlier.
1: Oh, definitely. Um, and what are some of the other impacts you've seen from COVID? So I think you know, because of COVID, there was a need for more empathy, um, you know, more personalization, guidance and support. Um what 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 else have you seen?
2: Um, I can't say that um we've seen something specific or something in particular, definitely a prominent need for, um, enhancing the digital experience further. Yeah. So if this wasn't a priority for, um, various organizations out there and especially financial institutions, uh, now it should be a priority. Um, and, um, it, it is a core means, uh, and a core, um, set of channels, because it's not just one channel. You've got uh, online, you got mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Yeah, it, it's just a, a must um, uh, have at, the, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's complemented then by your other channels. So not so much by uh, an in-person experience at the branch, um, but definitely, as we spoke about earlier, the the phone or um, some kind of um, method that will help you have that human interaction. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this was highlighted even more uh, through this COVID crisis. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it sounds like there's almost like a renewed approach to like omni-channel banking. Yes. And I think. I think even if we look outside of financial services and in some sectors, which prior to COVID were, you know, 100% physical, like you would never think that you'd be... Yeah. um, Doing kind of like guided city tours on online or speaking with like a therapist online or something. So I think, you know, customers definitely have an expectation now that they should be able to do things from the comfort in their own home, which was often Mm -hmm. the case in the beginning of COVID or, you know, going out and doing this. So having that option, you know, maybe I go to a branch, maybe I do it on the phone, maybe I do it on on the digital channel. So do you think there's kind of a renewed focus on omni-channel banking then
2: as a result? Yeah, interesting that you mentioned omni-channel um, and that renewed focus. Um, So omni-channel has been what I would say a buzzword uh, over the last five, six years. It's great to use that word, but really how many organizations are truly offering Omnichannel experiences, if we really know what that is. Um, so, again, to just position that a little bit, uh, to be able to offer an omnichannel experience, you need to have a 360 view of all your customers' data before you do anything else, right? Um, so, if you don't have that 360 view of all your customers' data, um, then embarking on an omnichannel strategy. Is just not going to, uh, you know, become reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you need to, to have a, a consistent, again, we spoke about consistency, a consistent experience um, across all the various channels. So your brand uh, needs to feel the same, not just look the same. It needs to feel that you're interacting with the same organization across each touch point. Um, and again, omnichannel needs to feel... Connected, So if I go uh, and start, let's say, applying for something um, and for a product through, I don't know, let's say I, I go into a branch and I start the application process at the branch and then um, I don't complete it there and I decide to continue it on my mobile phone, um, I shouldn't be asked the same questions again uh, or to provide the same data again because I already provided um that specific data, let's say, through the one channel, then I should just be able to resume and continue from another channel. Um, All these things are not easy to do and they're not easy to achieve, even though there's this impression uh, out there, uh, I guess, because of these buzzwords and and the discussions. The execution of such a strategy is extremely complex um, and especially in financial services. So, uh, yeah, I think that there should it it would be amazing um, to offer it uh, (laughs) holistically like that. But um, it's good to be realistic also Mm -hmm. about um, what it really takes to execute and deliver this.
1: Yeah, no, I I think that makes total sense. It's, yeah, a lot of moving parts. And as you mentioned, until you have that, you know, 360 view, I think that also feeds into as well, offering personalized customer experiences because you need, you need that 360 view, you need it across products and, and across all channels and everything. So Yeah, I I think um, thinking about the future, I mean, I I think if we look at some of the, the big trends and kind of buzzwords and financial services and kind of insure tech at the moment, we're seeing a lot around, you know, buy now, pay later um, services we're seeing a lot of like what I call niche banking providers. So we just you know recently had an episode looking at niche banking, and we're starting to see banks for musicians, for influencers, for people with a high focus on you know conscious banking, green savings. So like banks for a very kind of niche subset um, of customer. Also you know of course everything happening in crypto and in defi mm-hmm. how do you see traditional banks kind of keeping up um, so first you know the first i guess kind of challenge was okay the neo banks and now we have you know it's multiplied yeah. what can the incumbent bank kind of do to stay relevant
2: well the, the first thing is to it's a mindset thing really that you shouldn't need to do everything yourself mm-hmm. and be all things to all people mm-hmm. um, So then it brings us into um, the need for partnerships or strategic partnerships uh, to achieve that. Uh, And we've been seeing um, so far, you know, big tech companies and financial institutions uh, just investing in startups and and considering that that's the only way um, to have this type of strategic partnership. But really, that's not the only way. Um, So big tech companies and financial institutions um, can collaborate together. Um, And and that's something that we are starting now to see. Um, So collaborating with uh, or partnering with an established organization can deliver huge value for the customer. Mm -hmm. Um, So the big tech company, for instance, can focus a lot on that customer experience um, aspect, and the financial institution can offer the financial product. and also all the knowledge and guidance around the, the regulatory aspects so all the compliance that is needed, which um, is not so that that knowledge is not there when it comes to the big tech companies. So we're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, these types of partnerships. And, and I believe that that is definitely one um, correct approach. Um, and it would be interesting to see what everybody puts out there.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think, yeah, we start to see I think that fits nicely into, you know, the whole concept of embedded embedded finance. Yes. Um, so I think, you know, at the moment we start to, see, we see more of the, like, bank as a service providers, like the Rails Bank, the Solaris's, um, partnering with big techs and non-financial institutions. And we have some kind of smaller embedded finance players like Weaver, but I mean, yeah, there's no, no reason why traditional banks yeah. can also be partnering with the big techs and also with, you know, big retailers and and everything. So, yeah, I think that's definitely something
2: that we'll be it looking forward to. And Yeah. And I think, again, the tricky bit here is um, how things happen, you know, the internal cultures and um, expectations internally, th- that needs to match somehow or th- there needs to be um, a good understanding of uh, the pace, maybe, at which um, you can move, and and really your capacity um, uh, from both sides, right, to to cover th- those expectations. Mm-hmm. So I think that's overlooked sometimes. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's great to partner initially, but the, those details, or they're not really details. The execution aspect yeah, is um, not really. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, looked into that well until you're really into the project and you start to realize a few things.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's, I mean, uh... To an extent, trial and error, I guess. And, you know, yes. each partnership will be yeah, very different. Partnering with uh, maybe a smaller scale up fintech versus a big tech company, there'll be uh, totally different kind of challenges. And I think, yeah, being able to stay agile and yes. be, yeah, key to that. Yeah, um,
2: that's another buzzword, agile. Um, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> it's a great word and it's a great desire as well. Um, but achieving this level of agility um again it's it's not something simple Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: uh we know about the agile methodologies and you know to execute and deliver um but again when you're partnering with others and aligning um you know this level of agility and um it's it's really important to figure out those ways of working early on um so that you don't have any surprises later
1: yeah definitely i mean i think if we look at you know, ING is probably the most prominent case study of, uh, yeah, transforming to an agile way of working. And I think that took, what, like five, six years for ING and started very much from like the top down. So it's yeah, easier said than done. Um, yeah. So I wanted to wrap up uh, with one final question, I guess, who do you look to for inspiration when it comes to customer experience, maybe inside of financial services and outside of financial services?
2: Sure. So I won't give you anything inside of financial services. I don't really look for inspiration inside of financial (laughs) services, uh, at least at the moment. Um, Outside of financial services, you you mentioned, I think, earlier in the beginning, um, it might, might be a bit of a cliche, but really Spotify... Mm -hmm. is the one for me. Um, I really admire Spotify and not just, you know, uh, in terms of what kind of of customer experience they're delivering and what we're seeing externally, but um, in how they're going about it. So it's their values and their company values. Um, They place a huge emphasis, you know, on truly connected communities Mm -hmm. and inclusivity. Um, And so if you achieve that internally, you know, with your own uh, employees and, uh, you know, you create that kind of community of inclusivity internally, then that externalizes itself and uh, you're able then to uh, provide such um, great experiences for customers as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I've been fortunate enough to do quite a bit of work with Spotify over the past, uh, I think, two years now. And a lot of the work has been on internal ways of working and I mean, yeah, once you kind of get into Spotify, you can 100% see how that community, collaboration, empathy really translates into these, yeah, phenomenal products. I mean, they have just really nailed down personalization and even their, you know, omni channel experience, you know, with CarView and everything. So, yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. Definitely my <laughs> kind of inspiration for all things. Fantastic customer
2: experience. So yeah, it's it's all the mindset basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can get that right, um, then uh, then you're able to start applying it um, in everything you do and the people. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Part. I think it starts with the people. I yeah, guess, uh, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Cool. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us today, Natasha. Um, yeah, it's been really great to get your perspectives on yeah past, present, and future with all things customer experience. And I hope our listeners will. Yeah, really think about empathy and and trying to create that connected experience for for customers and thinking a bit more about how you can, you know, offer more guidance and and personalization because I think that's, um, yeah, I mean, if it's not there now in a few years, it's going to have to be like an absolute hygiene factor within all things financial services. So cool. Thanks so much, Natasha. Thank Um, you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Where can our listeners um, find out more about you? Where can they follow you on social media?
2: Well, at the moment, they can follow me on LinkedIn. Um, I got—I um, think it's quite updated at the moment, so they can start by following me on LinkedIn. I don't have a, a, a personal website, so—or uh, at least I don't have one yet. Um, yes. <laughs> so LinkedIn is the place.
1: <laughs> okay, great. Thanks so much, Natasha.
2: Thank you. Let's talk about the future of payments. Your breaking payments exclusive series is here and we are ready to showcase how Fintech has deconstructed the payments industry and is rebuilding it seamlessly as an embedded experience for the client. Stay tuned for new episodes every month on Breaking Banks Europe.
1: And welcome back to Breaking Banks Europe. Uh, this is episode one one eight hundred and eighteen, 118. And in today's episode, we are exploring customer experience, the impact of COVID, and delving a bit into what the future holds for customer experience within banking and financial services. So part two, uh, I'm joined by Catherine Richards, head of customer design at Tesco Bank, um, joining us from not-so-sunny Scotland. Scotland thanks so much for joining us Catherine we really appreciate you taking the time to shed some light on on your views of customer experience and some initiatives around Tesco and and I guess the whole COVID factor so thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you and thanks for having me and yeah it's very frosty in Edinburgh (laughs) today but blue skies with sun.
1: Okay, the the blue skies are all that matters. Um, So, yeah, so let's jump straight in. Um, So, your primary function at at Tesco Bank is looking after customer design. Um, So, it'd be interesting to get your kind of perspective on what exactly is customer experience, and do you kind of think of this from a, a banking and a non banking perspective when you think about customer experience and what good may look like?
3: Yeah, so I think um, for me, when I think about customer experience, I first think about the context from which the customer is coming from. So it's highly likely that the customer is really trying to do something meaningful and then how they subsequently experience your brand, your business, your service is really what equates to their customer experience. So I don't view CX as as ours or or Tesco banks. It's the customers ultimately. Um, But if I were to look from a bank perspective, kind of looking towards customer experience, it's really about every touch point or interaction a customer has with your brand. So whether you're calling us to resolve a query or you're logging into your banking to check something or you're simply researching a product on our website, um, for us, these touch points that customers have with us really have to leave um, lasting impressions with customers. So you really want your customers to leave on a high.
1: Yeah. And I guess, te- so Tesco Bank must be in an interesting position because you can, of course, leverage the, the broader Tesco brand. Um, any kind of insights on h- how that plays out? Is that like a, a massive benefit that you think?
3: Yeah, so I think, you know, when we're designing or changing any of our experiences, we're always really cognizant that we are just probably one cog in the wheel with the relationship that a customer has with the wider Tesco Mm -hmm. and understanding that not only is a customer choosing to manage financial products with us or take car insurance with us, but they probably get their petrol at Tesco, they probably go shopping at Tesco, they probably buy their kids uniform at Tesco. So there's definitely that consideration to the wider um, Tesco ecosystem, I guess, when it comes to experience and knowing that you're just one element of that.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, at the same time, are you able to kind of leverage the fact that there's many other touch points that your customers will have with the brand outside of um, uh, banking and in finance and insurances?
3: Yeah. So the good news is, you know, we're doing a lot more with Tesco directly. Um, We've actually just launched um, a joint proposition with Tesco into the market, which is really about... Helping customers manage their grocery money um, Mm -hmm. from kind of week to week. Um, But it also provides the ability for customers to save and to collect club card points. So it's embedded into the club card proposition as well. So it's a really exciting product for us. And we're only a few weeks into launch. It's called Club Card Pay Plus. Um, But yeah, definitely we're doing more and more with Tesco to leverage that. Um, I guess that wider, um, you know, the wider touch point of Tesco. So.
1: Yeah, that's that's interesting. And again, I think you know you're definitely in a advantageous, um, yeah, position. I think as banking, kind of fintech, and in general, becomes more open and integrated with other industries. Um, you know, we're starting to see a a blurring of lines of who's actually you know offering financial products and services. I think with the kind of um, yeah, the the increase of embedded banking and, and everything. So I think yeah, that's a, a good a good situation to be in. Yeah. Um so I mean how How do you see the changes in customer experience within banking over the past, say, five years? So I guess like how dramatically have you seen changes from, let's say, like 2013, 14, when we started to see neobanks to um, before COVID? What was what were the key kind of trends and what could customers expect from a banking solution?
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, I think that fintechs have definitely been, you know, resetting expectations when it comes to customer experience, not only within banking, but beyond. Mm -hmm. I think that the advantage that they have is agility. and, And with that means that seamless customer experience is really highly achievable, Um, And I think what they've done is really got laser focused on that experiential layer, um, whereas um, others are trying to improve their product. They've really tapped into that experience layer. Um, and I think that, um, you know, incumbent banks, as an example, so, you know, they always aspire to have amazing customer experience, so even before fintechs came along to your point, 2013, 2014. And I think things like the rise of, you know, net promoter score, customer experience metrics, Means that benchmarking of customer experience in the industry has become a norm, and and this has driven a lot of innovation and agility within customer experience and and within those incumbent banks. I think incumbent banks are, you know, doing um doing great things with the with the legacy technology that we all know that they have and. Um, So, you know, it is difficult to to get things out there. But I think that incumbent banks are starting to unlock a lot of that. And we're seeing more and more, you know, superior customer experiences as a result of that. Um, But, yeah, you know, we're we're always, you know, watching around us, not only incumbent Mm -hmm. banks, but the fintechs as well as to what they're doing.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's. I I feel that it's kind of moved customer experience has moved past a a simple buzzword within banks. I think that, you know, everyone's starting to take it a bit more seriously. And I think, COVID has definitely been a, a catalyst for rethinking about how we provide excellent and almost like agile customer experience. So I guess from your perspective, what have what have been some of the big impacts from COVID on, on maybe kind of um, customer experiences in banking in general, and also from the Tesco bank perspective?
3: Yeah. So I was, I was actually, um, watching I don't know if you've seen it it's the Benedict Evans report it's called the great unbundling and I think he coined the phrase 2020 a decade in a year Um, and I think that probably all resonates with us but I think it's probably difficult to focus on one greatest impact I genuinely think how the industry has responded as a whole almost overnight was phenomenal Mm -hmm. I think everybody coming together to help customers in this extreme and unprecedented time of worry and stress has been amazing. And when I think about Tesco Bank's own response, specifically, you know, from payment holidays to delivering cash to vulnerable customers in their homes, And to introducing, you know, personalized volunteer gift cards so that other people could do shopping for you. And we achieved a lot in such a short period of time. And that's really helped give customers peace of mind. And I think the stress and uncertainty that customers faced during the pandemic meant they were seeking more security, more reassurance um, from their financial providers And so I think flexibility became really big and really key. So being able to flex your products and services in a way to meet those really emerging needs from customers. And, you know, they needed a sense of control in a time where everything was out of control. And so I think flexibility is one of the things that probably sticks, sticks out for me, if I'm honest. Yeah,
1: that's, that's interesting because, I mean, you talked about before how, yeah, the, the neobanks and the fintechs are able to, yeah, provide these experiences due to agility. But it sounds like, um, you know, what you, what Tesco Bank was able to offer was also a great example of agility. And I think if flexibility is kind of a, Yeah, a core kind of ethos, um, then I think the agility definitely was was there. I personally think that traditional banks responded to COVID much better than some of the neo banks. Um, I think because um, incumbent banks have call centers as opposed to not kind of pushing the customer into bots or a live chat within the app. Um, and I think you know one of the big components around COVID was these kind of um, you know new repayment plans, um, which these types of products inherently are offered more by the big banks rather than the neo banks, where it's more focused around the the digital current account. So I, I think that the traditional banks have definitely um, yeah been. We're set up for success in, in the crazy times how what's your perspective do you think that traditional banks have kind of re um, yeah kind of what, what's the word I'm looking for regained uh, a good reputation from a customer experience perspective
3: That's a great question and I think um if you look at it on the whole I think every bank responded based on the specific needs of their customer base. So whether you were a traditional bank or not, I think traditional banks clearly you know, have a larger customer-facing workforce, to your point, um, call centers, um, maybe able to support customers a bit more on the phone and in branch, um, and that will have proven invaluable for some customers. I think, however, the fintechs were able to offer some really interesting and unique value in the spaces that they were playing. And I think from a, you know, from a Tesco Bank perspective, we made the best use of the assets we had available to us to help our customers. And so I think it's really, you know, it's not about traditional banks or fintechs doing better. I think it was about everybody doing the best that they could for their specific customer base and with the unique assets available to them. And on the whole, I think most banks played their part well. And I think everybody in the industry can be proud of how, of how we responded. Yeah,
1: that's that's fantastic. And I guess, um, what are some of the, in terms of all the changes and this kind of new era of flexibility, what are some of the lasting changes you think um, have, have come out of COVID and the impact on customer experience?
3: Yeah, I think one of the things that kind of fascinates me personally is, is the use of cash, um, and so the use of cash as we move forward. So COVID's impact on digitization was, was vast, but I'm really interested to see if that continues in the cash space or we see a return to kind of pre-COVID use of cash. Um, and speaking from a Tesco perspective, you know, we've really learned that we can – drive far greater pace and agility to your point earlier when we're all kind of focused on that single common goal for customers when they really really need us and um, and I'd be interested to see um you know how many how many companies ride on that wave of that agility um and um, you know take that into their their kind of ways of working um And I think in terms of experience trends, you know, we're going to continue to see an increase in online shopping. This grew significantly during COVID. We definitely know that through Tesco. Um, And, yeah, just continued use of digital solutions for us, like our gift cards. So we changed that up to digital um, when it was a physical thing um, and payments. And, you know, I think we just need to continue to help um, you know, make our customers' money go further. And we're really focused on just continuing to develop smarter money helps for our customers and um, just for, you know, everyday life.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I think that that's an interesting point for sure around, yeah, the 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 catalyst for becoming a more cashless society. And if, yeah. if that will stick, um, I mean, in, in Berlin, it's notoriously known for, you know most places don't accept uh cards and then okay. all of a sudden all these places where it was like you wouldn't even think about paying with a card all of a sudden they have like a an izettle machine or something and it was like oh wow yeah. this is actually uh, quite convenient so i mean yeah it'd be nice if it was if it kind of stuck around um yeah i think I mean, looking to some of the broader trends, um, maybe not related to COVID, um, the rise of buy now, pay later. Um, yeah, the the rise of NFTs, decentralized finance, embedded finance. Um, What's kind of for you, what's uh, what's, what's a key trend? Um, what's worth kind of keeping an eye on from, you know, the customer experience perspective? Because, I mean, yeah. if we think about buy now, pay later and embedded finance in particular, I mean, this makes it so easy for customers to... Make a payment to have quick access to to capital. Um, I think also from the embedded finance perspective, you now see big retails, uh, big retailers, brands that customers really love now able to start offering a debit card, a credit card, a savings account. So what's what's exciting you? What, what do you have your eyes on?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you know, buy now pay later is is really fascinating, and it's definitely something we're keeping an eye on. But I think um, for us, it's about a Tesco bank, just, you know, continuously trying to understand your own customers' needs and really getting to grips with what's important for customers when it comes to their money lives. And for a lot of customers, it's about, Getting from payday to payday and coming out on top, coming out in the black instead of the red. Yeah. And so we're really focused on exploring and building propositions and experiences that, you know, are uniquely Tesco, building on our brand strength, increasing customer loyalty. And I think it it always has to be about doing the right thing and being genuinely helpful and providing great value and we can compete by bringing those helps and values to life through our customer experience. And, um, you know, a great example is Tesco Club Card Prices. We've just made it really easier to get, you know, better value by simply tapping your club card. And we've extended that from shopping in Tesco to insurance and to gift cards. Oh. So seamless journeys with more added value. So I think, you know, that that's kind of what we're going to be focusing on.
1: Nice. That's, that's, yeah, really exciting to hear. Um, yeah, I I think the whole buy now, pay later. Um, I mean, there's so much to unpick here really. I think there's, it's interesting to see how this type of product has impacted the traditional credit card product. Um, yeah, I think also, uh, I think, There will need to be a rise in probably better financial education advice because, uh, you know, maybe by now PayLater has become a bit too popular. But I mean, I remember looking at some features in the Tesco Bank app, and there were some really kind of nice features that would make it easy for customers to make sure that they had enough money in their balance to make um, to cover the kind of outgoing recurring payments and everything i've seen from tesco bank it's very much like little things adding up to really help the customer stay on top of of their finances and i think being able to tap into the the tesco brand and the tesco experiences yeah it it makes a lot of sense
3: it is about um you know i guess all the little helps and and what do they add up and equate to and that needs to be you know that superior customer experience basically
1: Yeah. And I think, um, so I mean, wrapping up, who do you look to for inspiration when it comes to, to customer experience?
3: So I think for me, I am, I always think that the best way to be inspired on customer experience is simply to spend enough time observing your customers using your products and services to spot friction, to spot mm. opportunities. So I guess i probably look to customers um, nice. and to colleagues in the yeah. team. Um, don't get me wrong. It's great to have an awareness and track, you know, what features are becoming hygiene in the mm-hmm. products that products and markets that you're serving. Um, but, you know, we probably don't want to fall into the trap of being feature followers. And um, instead, we'd rather work with our customers to understand the value that we can create, which is important to them. I think we also, you know, we always look outside the banking industry as well. Mm -hmm. So what are others doing to solve similar problems? So for example, like, you know, we'll often look to like the fitness industry. So Mm -hmm. fitness apps apps that track calories. And, you know, what can we learn from that when we're trying to help customers track and manage their money, as an example, and, and I think inspiration like that helps really just feed our process, which is absolutely centered around understanding the things that customers are trying to do and the friction that they face when doing those things. Um, and that really just helps us empower our teams to find new ways to help our customers. Um, and I guess to my point about colleagues, there's no greater inspiration than working with a really diverse team of people yep. to really help solve you know meaningful customer problems. And so, so yeah, I think probably customers and colleagues would be my answer. That's, yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I think that answer in itself is like
1: just such a good indication of, real customer centricity. So rather than adding new features or products for the sake of it, like really making sure that every interaction and touch point is hundred percent focused on your customers' needs, mitigating that friction and, and helping them, yeah, keep on top of their, their finances. And I, I think that's, yeah, fantastic. And, and I like how you mentioned yeah having a diverse team as well because um you know your customers are diverse as well so absolutely yeah you need to understand the nuances the the pains the needs and everything so I think yeah I'm I'm very sure that you're set up for success in all things customer experience
3: (laughs) thank you Cool.
1: So, yeah, listeners, this wraps up episode 118, 118, exploring customer experience uh, and the impact of COVID. And thank you so much again to Catherine uh, for joining us today. Really great to get the Tesco perspective and also hear about kind of, yeah, here new ethos around flexibility. And I think some really inspiring uh, advice on how to really be customer centric. So, thank you so much.
0: Thanks for having me.